Not that long ago, I noticed that my daughter was also wearing a shirt with polka dots on it. And I went up to her with my mom-excited voice, because every mom has one of those. And I said, Sadie, we match. We're both wearing polka dots. But I didn't get the reaction that I was expecting. She looked at me very matter-of-factly and said, Mom, those are not polka dots. Those are watermelon seeds. <laughs> I guess it's a matter of interpretation. In places where stay-at-home orders are in effect or were in effect, I saw some people say, we're stuck at home, whereas other people said, we're safe at home. Again, matter of interpretation. For the next two weeks, we're going to spend some time talking about what happened after Easter, the Ascension and Pentecost, two events that occurred after Jesus Christ resurrected. And I want you to understand that how we interpret what happened to the man who has been labeled as the most influential person in all of history is going to determine the course and purpose of our entire lives. I'm telling you that if you want a reason to get out of bed in the morning, keep listening. If you want to know why when everything seems so bleak and dark, why we can still have hope, keep listening. If you want to go from just breathing to truly feeling blessed, I encourage you to keep listening because Jesus Christ has a preferred future, a hope for you today. This morning, we're going to spend some time reading from the beginning of the book of Acts. Now, it's believed that Acts was written by a physician named Luke. And Luke starts Acts off right where he finishes the gospel of Luke. The disciples had experienced three years with Jesus. They saw him do amazing things from walking on water to healing the sick to loving the people who were really hard to love. They watched him get arrested, be sentenced to die, be crucified, be declared dead, and then placed in a tomb. But then they encountered Jesus alive and well. Jesus came back to life. I mean, talk about the, an emotional roller coaster that these guys went on. So we're going to pray, and then we're going to read what's written in Acts 1, 3 to 11. Father God, I just thank you so much for your word, and I just thank you so much that, that you are here with us this morning, and I just pray right now that as I share what I believe is your message that you have for everyone listening here that, this morning, God, that you would just flow through me, Lord. I pray that it would be your words, not my own, and that you would just give us all ears to hear and hearts to receive and to respond to what you have for us today, God. Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. So let's read um, Acts 1, 3 to 11. After his suffering, that's Jesus, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs to them and that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke to them about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. They gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from their sight. I, I'm going to read that again. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. What? 
Then they were looking intently. I mean, I'd probably be looking intently too. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So Jesus rises again, and he's, he's with them for 40 days, and then he's taken up before them, just gone, okay? Now, his, his departure had to have been very clear, because we never read about the disciples going and trying to find him again. His departure was clear. He is now gone and left them. Now, after being separated from Jesus a second time, you would think that disciples would be in the same kind of despair, if not even more despair, than after he was died and buried. You see, it's recorded that after Jesus was buried and placed in the tomb, the disciples bunkered down and were scared. You get the kind of... You kind of get the sense that they didn't know what to do with themselves. They gathered in a room, they locked the door, they barred the windows. It was like they were scared that what happened to Jesus was going to happen to them. So they, they, the, the, the man that they thought was untouchable was just declared dead and put in a tomb. And so they, it, it's like they felt hopeless. So that's the first time he leaves them. But as Jesus leaves them for the second time, they don't have the same reaction. It's actually, they have the opposite reaction. They don't bunker down. They go out. Mark 16, 19 to 20. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them. I, are you catching this tension? We have to ask ourselves, why the change in response? What was Jesus doing for those 40 days that stops them from going into despair, but rather propels them into purpose? And so what? What does that mean for us today, 21 centuries later? When you look at what happened before and after those 40 days, it's clear that Jesus had a goal that he needed to accomplish. So let's talk about what his goal is. You see, he is preparing the world for the birth of the church. And, and no, I'm not talking about going around gathering building materials so they can construct an actual building. No, I'm talking about the birth of his true church. The fact that it tells us that Jesus was taken up and seated at the right hand of God proves that he achieved a preferred future. He achieved a hope for us. Christ's work had been completed and accepted. He isn't pacing around trying to figure out what to do next in order to accomplish his plan. No, no, no. He's, he's sitting. He's seated. It's re written in Hebrews 10, 11 to 14. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Christ conquered death. He paid the penalty for our sins. The wages of sin is death. But he, di he died but he didn't have to stay dead because his payment was accepted. 
We can now be children of God. We can take hold of that hope and walk in freedom. Freedom from shame. Freedom from fear of the future. Freedom from condemnation. Free to be full of peace and joy. Jesus achieved a hope, a preferred future. And his plan to get that hope spread across the entire earth, the church. He wasn't preparing to build a building. No, he was preparing people for a movement. And it worked, and it's still working. Leader and communicator Annie Stanley claims the story of the church is not just unexplainable, it's undeniable. See, at the time Acts was written, Christianity was considered a Jewish knockoff religion. Um, but it was this knockoff religion that replaced the, all the pagan gods as the primary belief system in the Roman Empire. The same empire responsible for crucifying its central figure. The same empire that launched several vicious inquisitions with the intent of stamping it out completely. The knockoff religion replaced it. Okay, And today, over one-third of the world's population claims some kind of faith. In Jesus. The Roman Empire is long gone. Ancient Judaism died with the destruction of the Jewish temple in 70 AD. But today, one third of the world's population claims Jesus as the centerpiece of their religious experience. He taught for three years, and 20 centuries later, he is worshiped on every continent of the planet. It doesn't make sense. Yet you cannot deny that it worked. In those 40 days, Jesus was preparing the birth of this unstoppable force. Between his resurrection and going up to the clouds, Jesus moved a group of misfits from feeling defeated and hopeless to becoming an unstoppable force for him. And what I'm praying for you to understand and realize that it was in those 40 days that Jesus was able to change the way this group was interpreting their circumstances. Because it's a matter of interpretation. So what was Jesus doing in those 40 days? When you compare the writings found in the New Testament, you discover that, that he was pretty bu busy, okay? This is what he's doing. He appears to the disciples multiple times. He gives them peace and promises them more power. He makes it possible for them to catch a whole bunch of fish. He breaks bread with them and eats with them. He appears to Peter and, and, and proves that he's forgiven Peter, even though Peter denied him three times. And then he tells Peter not to worry about anybody else's mission. He just needs to focus on the mission that God has given him. He appears to Thomas, who's coined the nickname Doubting Thomas, because Thomas said that he would never believe Jesus rose again unless he saw him with his own eyes. So Jesus shows the scars in his hands and his side from being crucified on the cross. The Apostle Paul writes that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters. Now, I don't think in each of these instances, Jesus appeared with his tortured and decaying body. Um, I, that he, was, he was left with a decaying and tortured body after, as a result of the cross, okay? And I don't think he, he showed up with that same body. If he did, I think people would have ran away, not volunteered to stay and listen and, and eat with him. No, this was no zombie Jesus, okay? He may have had his scars, um, but this is a fully restored Jesus, allowing us to see the victory that he has over death, 
pain, suffering, and disease. This is where our hope is found. This is where our preferred future lies. There will come a day when Jesus will right every wrong, restore everything that has been broken. One day there will be no more pain, no more tears, no more suffering, no more pandemics, no more diseases. One day we will experience this preferred future together. It's at the cross and the resurrection where we see our human need and desire for love and and justice completely satisfied at the same time. Jesus is giving us an opportunity to have a preferred future, a hope. So in these 40 days, Jesus is showing up in places, giving people physical evidence of the preferred future they can have if they follow him. Now, why 40 days? You know, God can do a lot in 40 days. Here's three things that he did in 40 days before Jesus showed up on the scene. With Noah, the flood lasted 40 days and 40 nights. Um, Moses was up on Mount Sinai getting the Ten Commandments for 40 days and 40 nights. After fleeing Jezebel, Elijah was exhausted and wanted to die, but God gave him strength and he goes on a journey for 40 days. Now, each of these instances reflects a change of attitude. In each of these situations, it's in those 40 days that people put on a new lens in which to interpret their circumstances. They are, gi- they are given a new way to approach their lives. It's a matter of interpretation, going from polka dots to watermelon seeds, from stuck to safe, to despair, to hope. So what change of attitude needed to happen with all of these people who saw Jesus in those 40 days? They needed to be moved from despair to purpose-driven. Jesus was crucified and rejected by many of the people who followed Judaism because he didn't come the way they thought their Messiah would come. They longed for national sovereignty to be restored to Israel like they had experienced many times throughout history. And they, they were being oppressed by the Romans. And they thought that the Messiah was going to come and destroy the Roman Empire and bring national sovereignty once again to Israel. You see, they were concerned about the kingdom of Israel when all along Jesus had been teaching them about the kingdom of God. We just read in Acts that the disciples brought this thought up again. They asked, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel now? Remember, this is the buildup to the church being released. Jesus is preparing them to receive power they need, that they need to go and spread the news of his preferred future, his hope, um, to the ends of the earth. And they ask, are you going to wipe out the Roman Empire now? I feel like we've heard similar questions these days. Like, is the new world order here? Is the government is oppressing us? The government has ulterior motives. Is Jesus returning soon? Now, I want you to pay very close to how Jesus responds to the disciples' question. We're going to read Acts 1, 6 to 8. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He corrects them, not by rejecting the question, but by bringing them back to purpose. 
He tells them that they would, they're going to receive power, but not in order to triumph over the Roman armies, but to spread the good news to the ends of the earth, to spread the gospel throughout the earth, to spread this preferred hope, this preferred future, so that everyone can have, have a part, take part in the truth. In other words, he's saying, don't worry about the date. Just go be my witnesses. In 40 days, Jesus got his followers' eyes solely fixed on being his witnesses. He got them positioned so that they could be ready to receive the power they needed from on high in order to go out into the world and be an unstoppable force for him. The force behind the movement that only grew louder as governing authorities tried to silence them. The movement that grew and grew to the point that now over one-third of the world's population belongs to it. It's a movement that's not contained by four walls. It's a movement that is built on the unshakable truth that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's a movement that we've all been invited to join. We may not be able to gather together like we used to, but our message and our mission is still the same. Don't worry about the date. Just go be my witnesses. Just go. He even tells them where they need to go to be witnesses. He says Jerusalem, okay? That would have been their home, their closest sphere of influence, okay? Your, your family, who you live with. Judea, that's their neighborhood, their community. So like Rochester, Bonacord, Morinville, Samaria. This is the place they didn't want to go. They, the place they avoided. You see, Jews avoided Samaria. They did everything they could to not go there. So this is the place where you least want to go, a place where maybe there's people that you don't trust, that you avoid, maybe members of a certain political party. I don't know, but Samaria's, Jesus is saying you got to go to them too. And then he says the ends of the earth, everywhere. Jesus covers all the bases, every cover, corner of the globe, every person walking on the planet from your spouse to the people who cut you off in the grocery store to Buddy in Tanzania. He says, go. There's no exceptions. We just need to go be his witnesses. Jesus told his followers, to stay in Jerusalem until they receive power from on high. He gives them a mission, and we're going to see next week that he gives them exactly what they need in order to accomplish that mission. You have access to power from on high in order to be an unstoppable force for him. You have power from on high inside of you to go into the world and tell people that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he has a plan and a preferred future for them. And if you're watching this and you don't believe that Jesus was the son of God who died and rose again and was taken up to be with the father in heaven, I want to show you that you should want to believe that it's true. You know, if you care about justice for all, if you care about ending hunger and disease, and, or if you care about caring for the environment, you should long for what has been claimed about Jesus Christ to be true. You see, if all of this came from nothing and will eventually just burn up by the sun, then there's no motivation to make this world a better place. If in the end all of our efforts don't make any difference, then what's the point of doing anything? But... If Jesus did really rise from the dead and, and conquer death and disease, that means that there is 
infinite hope and reason to pour ourselves out for the needs of this world. Through Jesus, God shows us that the world matters because healing, justice, and love have won. We can address the injustices and pain that we face in the world today. Through the cross, we see that God isn't willing to tolerate injustice and violence, degradation. He won't tolerate anything that destroys his prized creation. He paid the price and achieved the victory so we could be free from sin and its effects. The angels that came and told the disciples where Jesus was going and that he was coming back. And, and Jesus said that he would come back and he asks us, to be ready. He's gone for now, but one day he will come back and he will set everything right again. Now we shouldn't approach this truth with the attitude, we don't need to worry about it or take care of it because Jesus is just going to make it all right in the end. Anyways, no, he, see, he asked us to be stewards and that in everything that we do, we bring glory to him and that we reflect his image to everything that we do. In Matthew 24, um, Jesus talks about what it's going to be like when he returns. And he's, he is clear in saying that no one knows when the day will come. But he does give us insight to when the day starts drawing near. I'm going to read Matthew 24, 6 to 7. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See it that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. Now Jesus goes on to talk about when he, how when he comes back, he will bless those that he finds being wise and diligent with what he has entrusted them with. He says that he will punish those who have been wasteful and unwise. He's telling us to be ready. God is not asking you to get caught up in figuring out the times and the day of, of his return. He's not asking you to get caught up in the things of this world. He's asking you to be diligent and wise with what he has entrusted you with right now. Your talents, your treasure, your family, the earth, your community. Be his witnesses. Reflect him in those places in those areas let him find you being wise loving your family protecting your family loving your neighbor loving your community taking care of your temporary home let us let him find us being diligent with what he has entrusted us with being good stewards one evening i received a phone call from one of the young people that i worked with and she wanted to give up she didn't think that she could make it through another day because of the pain that she was feeling. The world had failed her. The people who were supposed to be there for her failed her. She didn't even know where her dad was. Her mom chose her boyfriend over her, and she felt alone, rejected, abandoned, and hurt. And all she could feel was pain. All she could see was darkness, and she was crying out. Now, I don't know how I would have responded if I didn't have the hope I found in Jesus. Because of Jesus, I was able to offer a hope and a peace that cannot be taken away by feelings or circumstances. Now, the world says, hang on, don't give up, try harder, you got this. The world says we are the solution. But what happens when, what, when who we are is not enough? What happens when what we have is not enough? The world says that God is an idiot and that he doesn't care what you're going through or that he isn't real. But the way I see it, is Jesus is our hope. 
Because of Jesus, I was able to say to that young girl, God loves you and he has a plan for you. And as long as you have breath in your lungs, your life is worth something. And that I may not have understood the pain that she was feeling, but God does. You see, Jesus was rejected, abandoned, betrayed, and he is there with you right now. Turn to him. Let him give you a hope, a peace, and comfort. I'm thrilled to be able to say that that girl chose Jesus that night, that she is still here today. Because of Jesus, I was able to give her a different lens to look at her circumstances with. I was able to offer her a preferred future, a hope. We have a message, a hope, a message of a preferred future that Christ has accomplished for us. We need to spread the good news Physical distancing doesn't put the church's mission on hold. We are an unstoppable force. There is nothing saying that you can't search out the ones who are in despair because they've been in isolation so long and and go to their house and stand outside their window and have a chat with them or stand in their driveway and have a chat with them. Nothing saying that you can't just call up your neighbor and see how they're doing. Just go be a witness Use this time of slowing down to get connected to the vine in a way that you never have before. Get in the word, get on your knees, be silent and listen to where God is leading you. Get connected so you can be empowered to go. It's a matter of interpretation. Polka dots to watermelon seeds. I am stuck at home. I am safe at home. Jesus was just a man. Jesus is Lord. We will be the church once we meet again. We can be the church right now. If you're listening and God is calling your name right now and you feel it's time to surrender, I encourage you to do that right now. If today is the day that you feel that you need to declare Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, do it. You see, Jesus died for you so you could truly live. He wasn't just a good man that lived. He's the son of God who rose from the dead to offer you life and a preferred future surrender now. And if you have any questions about what the next steps that you should take are, reach out to us through our website in the what's next section or reach out to us at, uh, or email us at admin at tfhchurch.ca. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much for your word. And I thank you, Spirit, that you are with us. And I just ask right now that you would just continue to fill your people up. Lord, we ask for more of you. God, we ask for just faith and boldness in our hearts to go and be your witnesses, God. I pray right now, Lord, that you would just bring your church together in unity and in boldness so that we could just go and be the unstoppable force for you. God, I pray right now that you would go before us and that you would just start opening up hearts, Lord. We just pray right now that you would take the heart of stone away, God, that you would take away apathy and deception, and that you would just put a longing in people's hearts for this preferred future that you have for us, God. We thank you for the victory that you achieved for us. We thank you for going to the cross for us and giving us victory over sin and death, Lord. And let us just live our lives in a way that honors you, in a way that brings glory to you. Let us go forth into all the world and be your witnesses, God. We thank you, Lord, And we just pray and in the days to come, uh, I ask that you would just give us wisdom and discernment in how to properly just reflect you to this world and be your witness, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.